Good morning. Uh, welcome as we come to worship. Uh, we often say as we set time aside to gather together, whether that's here um, in person or indeed um, online, you're very welcome here to St. Columbus, Derivolgi, uh, this morning. As we gather uh, on this fourth Sunday uh, of Easter, we stand together as we declare uh, our Easter greeting. Let's stand together. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Some words from Psalm 134. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Today's reading is taken from Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 24. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to prevent the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel of the heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so say, now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than that you accepted, let them be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Caesarea and was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And I praise God because of me. Thank you, Thomas. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity um, to open your word. A word is living and active, and we pray that by your spirit, uh, your word would implant, be implanted into your hearts. Your word and not mine, Lord, we pray. Amen. Uh, so we start a, a new series, if you like, in the book of Galatians today. Uh, we'll walk through this for the next six weeks or so, which will run us up uh, really into the summertime, I suppose. Um, and the title for this is Born to be Free. Um, we explored on Sundays and we go a little bit deeper um, at life groups. And maybe you've thought about life groups before. Maybe you've thought, what goes on at that? You, if you want to have a conversation about that with me, please do. And if you want to uh, dip your toe in um, between now uh, and the summertime, which will be six weeks or so, it's a good opportunity to do so. So uh, please do um, let me know. And what is, or what is this book of Galatians? It's one of the letters um, written in the Old Testament. 
<laughs> we'll start again. It's one of the letters written in the New Testament uh, by the Apostle Paul to the, the church in Galatia. Um, the context is that it was to refute the Jews uh, who said that people needed to convert to Judaism to obey and obey the Torah, the law uh, contained in the Old Testament, before they can truly be counted as followers of Jesus. And so really that's what this letter uh, writes to. It says that you, you don't need to convert to a different religion to follow Jesus. You don't need to hold on to uh, all those things that have bound God's people for so long because Jesus has given us a new way, a way of freedom. And we'll see how that has boundaries a little bit later on uh, as well. But the gospel that Jesus brings speaks of a new way. In Jesus' own words, actually, he says that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And that's one of the things we use in our communion services. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He, whenever he was challenged and asked, which is the greatest of all the laws, Jesus said he came to fulfill them all. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. But later he said that he was to fulfill the law and the prophets. That the two come together. It's not just about Moses and the law. And it's not just about the prophets. It's both coming together. It's the story of God in the Old Testament being revealed in Jesus Christ, his son. Through his death and through his resurrection. Actually, um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 kind of sums some of this up. Paul says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So born to be free. Isn't that what we all want? We, there, innately inside of us, there's this desire to be free, not, not to be held back by anything. But do you believe that you are free? Do you believe that you can be free? Do you believe that you were born to be free or are born to be shackled in some way? According to the dictionary, the definition of freedom is this. The quality or state of being free, such as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in a choice or action. Also the liberation from slavery or the restraint of the power of another, independence, really. Or uh, the quality or state of being exempt or released, usually from something onerous. Freedom from caring about something, in other words. So freedom, in, in a sense, has different kind of understandings, contexts, depending on how you use that word. We also know that freedom can often be something that we take for granted. We hear that each November, don't we, around Remembrance Sunday. Whenever those who gave their lives in World War I gave their lives and the understanding that their sacrifice would end the war that would end all wars. Yet we know as we live in the moment that that is not true. Freedom can be hard to grasp. But probably, I would imagine, freedom is something that we all crave. We, we crave, we desire to be free especially if we've been imprisoned by something not just if we've ever found ourselves where we're incarcerated or where we're locked up or handcuffed uh, in jail uh, but maybe we've sought freedom from the things that have held us back a, a really bad habit 
a moment of addiction, a toxic relationship, a moment where death has encircled us and we've been compounded by our financial situation. There'll be some of the more social issues around us today. We feel that those things imprison us and hold us back, curtail us, push us down. But really what Paul is building on in this letter to the Galatians or the church in Galatia is this. It's Jesus' words in John chapter 10, verse 10. Remember Jesus said, the thief comes only to kill, steal and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life in all of its fullness. That is ultimate freedom. Life and life in all of its fullness. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel. We walk the path of Jesus. As individuals and as a church, as Christians, we walk the path of Jesus. That's what we seek to do. We seek to be his, we've already prayed this today, we seek to be his hands and his feet, his eyes and his ears. We seek that he would transform our hearts, our lives, our minds. But yet we know that sometimes in our frailty, we slip from that. We turn away from it. And that's really what Paul is saying to this church in Galatia. Why are you following a different gospel? Why are you turning away from the gospel that sets you free? You see, in verse 7 he says, which is really, that's really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to prefer the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is not a different gospel. There is only one gospel. That Jesus Christ came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended on high, sitting in his rightful place today and his throne in heaven in his sovereignty, that you and I might have life and life in all of its fullness. Not just in eternity somewhere out there, but right here, right now. But the devil tells us something different. The father of all lies whispers in our ears on a daily basis. And he whispers more often and even louder whenever we walk the way of Jesus. Because if we're not pushing forward in our relationship with God, then he knows we are of no danger to him. But whenever we do, whenever we try to read or pray, whenever we try to help or exert ourselves for other people in the name of Jesus Christ, then the devil will whisper those lies in our ears. Maybe you have heard them before. It's your fault. This mess is because of you. You're the reason. You're here and there is no other option. Do you know what? Actually, sometimes it can be, the mess around me can be my fault. I need to take ownership and responsibility of that. But there's also times where that father of lies whispers things in us to make us believe those things and evidently they are simply not true. I want to encourage us today to not believe those lies. Because actually, whatever the devil whispers those lies, it's your fault, it's your mess. This is about you. It's actually not about you. It's not about me. First ten in our reading today says, "And now I am trying to win the and, and now I am trying to win the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. It's not about you. 
It is about him. And that's where things shift and change and transform. That's where the chain gets broken. That's where the shackles fall off. That's where the light of freedom comes into our lives. Nobody realizes this isn't actually all about me. <laughs> it's about him. We've sang in our song, I wasn't jumping high enough, obviously, in it, but we sang we, when we look up. When we look up, our perspective shifts from us to him. And freedom sheds a shade of light into our situation. I suppose at this point, it's really good to join with the words of John the Baptist in John chapter 3, uh, verse 13, where John says, whenever people are saying, but John, you're the best. John, you're amazing. What you've been telling us is absolutely better. We want to follow you, John. John turns and says, this is Jesus. He must increase and I must decrease. And that is our cry today, that he, Jesus Christ, would increase and that I, us, would decrease. See, Paul sees that he once was under the law, imprisoned by his past. That's what those verses from 13 through to the end are all about. Paul was imprisoned by that law, by the you can do this and you can't do that and you're not allowed to do that and you can only do this at certain times and not at these times and you must obey all of these things to create salvation. But yet the new gospel under Jesus Christ is that salvation comes through him alone. But then he was set free. Verse 13 says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And when God, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem. I went immediately and returned to Damascus. We often talk about the Apostle Paul, don't we? On the road to Damascus, that shining light moment, we, we actually have that phrase in our culture today, that Damascus moment, don't we? Where things dramatically change. Well, he was blinded by the light and transformed by Jesus. And often that's what we seek. We seek those experiences, those moments. But if you have conversations with the vast majority of Christians, they will say that it is a slow step-by-step -step process where they've fallen in love with Jesus. It's more like a road to Emmaus. Over a period of time, over conversations, over a journey, God shows the light. In Christ, we find a freedom. But freedom that has no boundaries is not really freedom at all. We know that because we get bored then. Because, you know, we just do whatever we want. And that's the culture we live in. But freedom with boundaries helps us to develop and to grow. As you know, I grew up in a state in Kells. And many, much of that estate would have been fairly settled, if you like. And if anybody, stranger came in, who's that? What are they doing here? Who are they? I was going to tell my mommy that there's a strange man. Um, the other side of that was that no matter what we did on the estate, she knew about it before I got home. Um, and we had no phone, so there you are, work that one out. Um, but, the, so, but every so often there have been new families come into the estate. Uh, and a new family came into the estate and there was a, someone around our age came in. 
Um, and on, this, on our estate, we had what we called the car park. Can anybody guess what the car park was used for? Football. Close. Mm -hmm. No. Car boot sales? No. It had swings and slides in it. They worked that out. Only in Ballymena would a car park have swings and slides, isn't that right? Um, there's a place where our, our four swings and one slide was. Big, tall slide. One of the big old steel slides. You know those ones? You used to have to wet it and clean it to make it all slippy. Uh, but the new fella came into the estate, and I'm not going to reveal his name. Um, I'm not going to reveal the other characters in the story. I, was, I obviously was simply observing uh, from a distance. Um, but whenever the new fella came into the estate, one of the challenges that was set, that he would go down the slide, uh, and we would, we, the people would time him going down the slide. Um, the difficulty was that there were no boundaries on how you can go down this slide. So this individual decided that the fastest way to get down the slide was on his pushback. You can see what's coming. There was handrails on this big, long steel slide halfway down, and the bottom half was free. Um, and he took the pushback to the top. He steadied himself at the top on the handrails, and he got the hold uh, off the handlebars, and off he went. And actually, he was going so fast. You can see the length of the slide. It was quite a long slide. He was going so fast that he took a look around to prove that he was going fast, at which point the handlebars went like that. The wheel jammed in the handrails, and you guessed it, the back wheel went, and he went across the car park. Now, the car park had been used as a car park at one stage, and so was tarmac. Not like today's playgrounds, where they're all soft. You can't have that. Well, from here to, I don't know where it stopped, was just grazed, full of blood. Now, from that point on, there still was the initiation of going down the slide, but there was boundaries put into it. Not allowed to take your bike to the top. Now, the next time a wee fella came into the estate and we said, the, sorry, the people said, you can't take your bike to the top of it and go down it. He's going, why would anybody do that? Because sometimes it seems logical to many of us, but yet some of us need boundaries. Some of us need a little bit of boundary to ensure that we are safe in our freedom to ensure that we can do what we need to do to get to where we need to get to. True freedom has boundaries. True freedom in Christ has boundaries because as we follow him, then we follow what he says in his word because those boundaries allow us to flourish and to grow. You were born for this. You were born to be free. Praise God that his Holy Spirit may inspire and lead us as individuals and as a church into this freedom. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you walk with us, run with us, and that you even go before us. But Lord, in this moment, help us to see who you are and all that you've done for us. Help us to listen to you not to the father of lies. Help us to see that the boundaries that you put in place for us, as we look at and encounter over the next number of weeks, that they are there to ensure that we grow and we flourish and that we enter into true freedom. So, Father, as we take a step with you today, may we rejoice in the fact that you're with us and that this is the only path that we go on. 
in your name. Amen. We conclude today by using a piece of scripture from Ephesians chapter 3. Um, to the God who is able to do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.